let's get this going. Short week here for the Kansas City Chiefs. That means another episode, back-to-back days here for the Chiefs Zone Podcast. And I'm your host, Farzi Vasugi, and I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I know the last podcast, it was a somber one, not the best one, but this is the Chiefs team that's going to be back. And gosh, I've got to say, getting ready for this Oakland Raiders game, before the season, I thought this could have been a game that Kansas City would have lost. But looking at how things have gone for both teams, uh, pleasantly surprising if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I think you got a reason to feel good about this. There does, There's this whole spell of trap game written all over this. But I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to take care of business. And I'll tell you why later on in the podcast. Once again, this is the Chiefs on Podcast here. Please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Let a friend know about it. Let them in on the Chiefs on Podcast. You guys can interact with me on social media. Give my Facebook page a like, facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi. And you guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. All right, I mentioned the podcast schedule last episode. Of course, we've got podcast back-to-back days. We did the recap yesterday. If you haven't listened to that, please take the time to do so, and then you guys can come back and listen to the recap, our preview podcast, rather, excuse me, against the Oakland Raiders. So if you want to hear the recap podcast, that is already out. Check that out on iTunes or Google Play. And the preview podcast out right now. The recap podcast will be available Friday morning, so be on the lookout for that. And then... I'm also going to do a bonus podcast that will be out Saturday morning. So be on the lookout for that. So four episodes of the Chiefs Zone podcast this week. I was only planning on doing three, but uh, given the uh, crazy scheduling that the Chiefs have had lately, playing on primetime and doing the podcast a little later, I'm making up for that, trying to bring them up right away after uh, be, pretty much having the recaps and the previews out sooner uh, right away, it's going to get a little easier now that the Chiefs are going to go back to their normal football schedule soon. And don't get me wrong, it's been great seeing the team play on primetime football, but it, it would be nice also for the sake of the podcast to get them out in a timely manner. So we'll be able to do that more and more. I've got to say one thing before uh, we move on. I've got a big dilemma because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on a family vacation at the end of the month in Cancun, which of course is going to be fun. I mean, who can argue against that? The problem is, I'll be flying back Monday night during Monday Night Football when the Chiefs and Broncos go head to head. And obviously, the Chiefs and, and Broncos—they just seem to have great primetime games uh, anytime these two teams go head to head. So I, I'm in a bit of a bind here. I really hope American a- Airlines has. Wi-Fi and ESPN on there because if they don't, uh, I, I might be the next person that goes viral online that makes a scene on an airplane. I've got to see my Chiefs football. I've got to see it live. I, I'm willing to pay how, however much money there is. If anyone flies uh, with American Airlines, if you know the answer, if you know for sure that they have... Uh, I, I know a lot of airlines have free TV. They'll give you CBS, Fox, a couple other channels, FX, ESPN, NFL Network. If anybody knows for sure that American Airlines has ESPN, please let me know. Uh, because you will make my day. And that'll make it easier knowing that I'll be able to watch the game while I'm flying. If, if they don't have it, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I, I, I have to be able to watch the game. I'm going to have to completely avoid my phone 
Might even need to leave it on airplane mode just so I don't get any text whatsoever from anybody. Uh, so, uh, I'll have to figure that out. That's going to be a complicated one. But if you do fly American Airlines uh, and you know the answer to this, please let me know if American Airlines has ESPN or not. If they don't, I've got to figure out some sort of way to watch it while I am flying back home to Kansas City. But that's a, that's a, that's a story for another time. I'll have to figure that out. But if you guys can help me out in any way, that would be great. All right, a lot to get into in this episode. I'm going to read some of your Facebook comments and also going to give you some good news. I mentioned a certain injury that went down Sunday in the loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then, of course, going to preview the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. And then we will wrap up the show going around the NFL out of bounds. And I'll throw my penalty flags. But we did not do this last podcast. And we're not going to do it on the next podcast either, simply because I'll be recording it literally right after the game. I'll do the Facebook Live on there. And then uh, I'll do the podcast. And speaking of the Facebook Live, a reminder, I did do a Facebook Live post game for the first time this year. And that, that was a lot of fun. A lot of people came out for that. Uh, I'm going to make an effort to do it for halftime and for post game every game. Of course, I, I can't do that for the Monday Night Football game, as I just mentioned. But I'm going to make an effort to do it for halftime and for Monday Night Football. So if you're going to be on Facebook, if you're going to be watching the games live, uh, pull up Facebook and wait for the notification to come up. Because I'll definitely go live during halftime and for post game. Uh, the halftime thing, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that works. I've never done that before. Well, I did once, but my audio was just completely bad and everyone left right away. So uh, we'll try to do that, see how that goes. And if a lot of people are hanging out for that, uh, we'll try to do it more often. So be sure you guys do hit like on the Facebook page. Again, it's facebook.com slash And I'm going to read your comments in just a moment. Uh, but again, no, uh, I'll, I'll do the Facebook Live after the Raiders game and then... I'll record the podcast, and since it'll be right after, and I gotta wake up really early in the morning, uh, I'm gonna have to forego doing the closing segments and just give you guys the straight recap, and then just go from there. And as I mentioned, the Facebook page, I wanted to read some of the comments I posted there on Monday evening. It was 24 hours after the loss. It's been 24 hours, and I wanted to know how Chiefs fans feel. Any different? Still the same, or even more angry? How does everybody feel? And I did record the last podcast before Sunday Night Football, and uh, something big went down Sunday night. Uh, Curtis was the first one to come and said, I just wish we could play good against the Steelers just once. Richard says, the fact that we lost to a good team, and the fact that the Broncos lost, and the fact that we're still first place in the AFC West as well as the AFC, I actually don't feel that bad. Yes, the Chiefs, or well, the Broncos, excuse me, they lost to the New York Giants on Sunday Night Football. The Giants picking up their first win of the season after coming off a really horrible week. Losing, what, four wide receivers in one game. Losing Odell Beckham Jr. for the season. And they come away with a big win over the Denver Broncos. And that gives the Chiefs a one and a half game lead in the AFC West. And still sitting atop the conference, which is always good. Jimmy says he feels good. Just wish the O-line would get healthy so they can protect Alex Smith better, who, by the way, has been sacked the third most in the league so far this year. Jonah says, better since the Broncos lost. Troy says, still can't beat the Steelers, still one and done in the playoffs. Home field won't matter once again. Lose to the Steelers the same exact way they have the previous two times. No coaching. Steve says, well, it's a short week. It could erase the bad taste we have from Sunday or make it a double whammy. I think that the Offensive line, or excuse me, the offense and defensive game plan stunk on Sunday. The coaching has to be better 
and the players have to execute. It's kind of an interesting uh, way to look at it. I, I mean, uh, the way I looked at it was w- with this loss and then a Thursday night game coming up, I, I just looked at it as, hey, you've got to forget about the loss and just turn it around right away. Whereas Steve kind of mentions if you lose, then you just have two bad games, two losses in five days. Or you can just bounce back and completely forget about Sunday. And look, what about a time to be pissed off and just take out all your anger and frustration on a division rival, on, on the Oakland Raiders? And again, a team that I'm very, very shocked at how they've done this season. I know not a lot of Chiefs fans have been high on the Raiders. I said I said a couple of years ago that the Raiders were going to contend for an AFC West title in 2016. A lot of people laughed at me for that. And look what ended up happening. They... Tied with the Chiefs for first place with a 12-4 record. And it took a Derek Carr injury in Week 16 to let the Chiefs essentially come away and win the division. Despite sweeping the division, the Raiders had a lead late in the season at one point, And the Carr injury cost them. Michael said Reed needs to get the offense to play four quarters every game. We played one yesterday. Despite a close game, we should have won this one. And that's exactly what I said on the last podcast. I, I've accepted that this is a... This is a, a very inconsistent Chiefs team, but that doesn't mean I like that. I mean, this is a, a Chiefs team that needs to be able to play very well for four quarters. And if they, they can do that, man, this is a team that will be very hard to stop. And they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. A couple more comments here. Chris says, I live in the Pittsburgh area. Just once I'd love to be able to hold my head high around these spoiled, rotten fans. Robert says, considering all the injuries and the fact that both the Raiders and Broncos lost. I feel pretty good. Just got to get healthy. Time to focus on the Raiders. Yeah, who would have thought that on Sunday, the only team from the AFC West that would have won would have been the Chargers. Maybe some people saw the Chiefs upset coming, but certainly nobody could have seen the Broncos losing to the Giants. If I had to pick for sure who would have won and who would have lost, if I had to pick one team to win and one team to lose, I would have said Kansas City would have lost and Denver would have won. Uh, but man, uh, Denver came away, or the Giants came away with a win that really benefits Kansas City. Otherwise, it would have been a half game lead for the Chiefs. Instead, it's a one and a half game lead. And the Chargers, they continue to give the Raiders problems as the Raiders have dropped four straight games. They tie the Chargers with a two and four record, but because of the division record, the Raiders tie for last place in the division. Or I, I should say they stand alone. Last place in that division. Dana says, looking at our schedule before the season and now we're 5-1, I'll take it. First place in the West. Hope the O-line gets healthy soon. Going to be an interesting season. Go Chiefs. And the final one, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Got a very long name here, but I'm just going to try to uh, pronounce the first name. I believe it's pronounced above and... Oh, okay. I get I get, I get what, what it is. Above and beyond is his, are the first two names. I don't even know what... His real name is. I'm just going to say James because that's the first actual name I see on there. But uh, James says, I wish the defense would go back to high school and learn that you have to <laughs> learn that you have to wrap them up when you tackle and stop using Justin Houston for covering receivers. Instead, uh, use him for blitzing. I, I certainly agree with the second part. Look, these guys know how to tackle. They've just got to do a better job of that. And People want to say Eric Berry's absence has a role in that. Eric Berry's absence doesn't have anything to do with the team not being able to tackle. This Chiefs team has been able to put themselves in position to force teams to have busted plays and and have negative yardage, but they they just can now wrap up tackles, and that's been a very difficult thing 
for Chiefs fans to watch. That's not been an easy thing to watch with this defense. This has been a very bad team when it comes to tackling, and they're uh, they're an easy team to go over for a reason, and that's definitely not something that you want to see. Now, it's been kind of a rough couple of days, but there is some good news. Of course, you guys remember Tyreek Hill, uh, that double hit, two different Steelers players, helmet to helmet, essentially, and no flag for that, by the way. Uh, That just seemed to knock out Tyreek Hill for a moment, and you could see him go on the sidelines, and it was obvious at that point he was not going to be available for the final drive of the game. Pro Football Talk reported late Sunday night that Tyreek Hill does not have a concussion, so he should be good to go for this Thursday against the Oakland Raiders. And gosh, the Chiefs are going to need him. Considering that you've got so many issues with injuries on on both sides of the football, you need your top three playmakers. You need Travis Kelsey. You need Tyreek Hill. And you need Kareem Hunt. And as long as you have Alex Smith, who's the only QB in the NFL, by the way, who has not thrown an interception this season. Oh, by the way, there's going to be a very intriguing stat that you're going to want to hear with Alex Smith interceptions going into this Raiders game that I think is going to make you feel good, but again, could have that trap game feeling behind that, so you be the judge on that, but I'll mention later. And as long as you have those three guys, those three skill players, plus your quarterback, I think this seems going to be fine. Last podcast I mentioned, you can look at this team one of two ways. This could be a team that might start to dwindle down and perhaps collapse with all of these injuries, or they can hold their heads high and not let teams have the be able to duplicate the game plan that the Steelers had and potentially do a better job of it. Because here's my thing. I mentioned those players, those key players for the Chiefs, for sure pro bowlers this year. But what I didn't mention so much of is that this team still has, and I mentioned in the last podcast, but not too much. This team still has one guy, and one guy who, as long as you have him, I think you're in good hands. And that guy, folks, is Andy Reid. Let's not forget, it was two seasons ago, the Chiefs started 1-5 and and were just getting it turned around into the right direction. If this team can overcome a 1-5 start without a guy in in Jamal Charles, who was their most prominent player for 5-6 years, if they can do that that season, they can overcome these injuries this season. I thought about it after the podcast too. I thought, I I, I mentioned those two scenarios. Either they'll collapse or they'll rebound from this loss and, and not let other teams be able to do what the Steelers did and find a way to overcome that. And I think the Chiefs are going to find a way to move forward and not be able to let teams do what the Steelers did. Why? Because you have Andy Reid on your football team. I know the clock management, which by the way has gotten better this year. No, the clock management hasn't been great with him so far here in Kansas City. Play calling, certainly a question mark there. But this has been the most aggressive the Chiefs have been so far this season. And let me just read you some of the numbers as a team in this game. First five games, the Chiefs were scoring 32.8 points per game. They only scored 13 total yards per game in the first five games. 414.2, they they had 251 against the Steelers. Rushing yards, man, you know the Chiefs are number one in that category, and they had just 28 
against the Steelers. Averaging 1.9 yards per rush. Third down percentage wasn't very good either. 47% on the season in the first five games. 27.3% in the game against the Steelers. So those are obviously not numbers characteristic to what the Chiefs have been able to do all season long. So this is the perfect time. I mean, look, I mentioned in the preview podcast that you're going to see a different Ben Roethlisberger. He's coming off the worst game of his career and one of the worst quarterback performances in a game in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a very decorated history for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know Ben Roethlisberger is going to be pissed off and he's going to bounce back strong. A lot of times with these elite players, when they have a horrendous game, they come back strong the following week. And you can start saying that about the Kansas City Chiefs. Alex Smith is one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. He's still highly touted as an MVP in the first six weeks of the season. Alex Smith's coming off a very bad football game. Not the prettiest football game. So the same thing can be said for the rest of this team. These guys were 5-0 and for a reason, even with all these injuries. And still... Those injuries are piling on. We'll see with Charkandrick West if he'll be available. He's been pretty vital for the Chiefs coming in as a backup filling in for Charkandrick West. Or, excuse me, for Kareem Hunt. So you're going to need these guys. You're going to need all the help you can get. And I think having a fire lit under their tail is going to let them know that, look, you've got to come back and fight strong in this football game. And that's exactly what this Chiefs team will do going up against a surprisingly a struggling Oakland Raiders football team. Let's get right into it. Here's our preview. Oakland's offense, 30th in total offense, 27th in passing. They were 13th last year in that category. And I'm sure you remember how great Derek Carr was. I'll read you some of the numbers and compare them. You'll be really shocked at just how bad Derek Carr's been this year. 24th in running the football. Beast mode doesn't seem to be playing like a beast this year. And they're averaging 20.7 points per game, which is best for 18th in the league. Derek Carr missed week five against the Ravens due to a back injury he suffered against the Denver Broncos. EJ Manuel filled in and Carr was reportedly expected to miss two to six weeks, but instead he only missed one, was available this past weekend against the LA Chargers. He has eight touchdowns and four interceptions this year, also has 924 yards to go with it. Uh, hasn't had a very good season. The most yards he threw in a game this year was on opening week with 262 against the Titans. The following week against the Jets, he threw for 230 yards. And the Raiders won both those games. Since then, he has not thrown for 200 yards. Uh, The highest he's had in a single game was 171, and that was this past week against the Chargers. So, I don't know if this is a fair correlation to, to mention, but... Anytime Derek Carr doesn't throw for 200 yards, the, the Raiders don't win football games. That's just how it's been for them so far this year. Carr threw, by the way, one touchdown and a pair of interceptions against the Chargers, allowing them to come away with a narrow 17-16 win over the Raiders. By the way, I mentioned the four interceptions he has. He threw just six picks in all of 2016, and he has two interceptions away from matching last season's total going into Week 7. Now, I mentioned Marshawn Lynch. He has not been beast mode this year. In fact, he's been terrible mode this year. 70 rushes for 257 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Here are his rushing numbers from from looking at his game log. In order, 
starting with that Tennessee game on opening week. 76 yards, not the greatest. 45 yards, had a touchdown to go with it. 18 yards, 12 yards, 43 yards, and then this past weekend, he had 63 yards, the second best he's had. Now, I'll say this right now, I think Marshawn Lynch is going to go for at least 100 against the Kansas City Chiefs, but... I, I still, even at the end of the day, I think Kansas City's going to find ways to contain him and not let him necessarily go off for a big game. Oakland has not been very good on offense this year. The passing game has not been very good, so they're going to rely on this running game, especially considering Kansas City's one of the worst run-stopping defenses in the league. And you look at the passing department for the Raiders, completely different this year than last year. Michael Crabtree, he's tied third in the league with five touchdowns, which is good, but he's 30th in receiving yards with 304, and he's tied 33rd with 25 catches. Now, Crabtree, again, his end zone presence certainly has been great for the Raiders, but that's the only thing the Raiders have going for them. Crabtree, by the way, has 22 touchdowns since 2015. That's tied for third most during that time span. Amari Cooper has completely disappeared, nowhere to be found for the Raiders Very quiet season for him. 18 catches, 146 yards, and only one touchdown this season for him. Tight end Jared Cook, Cook, excuse me, second best pass catcher on the team. And even then, his numbers are still not very good. 21 catches for 209 yards and a touchdown to go with it. I've always liked Jared Cook. I've always felt like he's been underrated. I know he's played for the Raiders for a long time. And when he was available, I was hoping Kansas City would have gotten him. I thought he would have been a great fit for Andy Reid's style of offense. And considering Alex Smith does a good job connecting with his tight ends, I thought he would have been a great fit here in Kansas City. Went to Green Bay for one season, didn't do very well, and now is with the Raiders. And he's he's getting a lot of activity because... There aren't a lot of people stepping up for the Raiders right now in the passing department. Looking looking at the offensive line for the Raiders, 13 sacks allowed total. Carr has been sacked nine times this season. From left to right, these four linemen, Donald Penn, Kalashio Semele, Rodney Hudson, and John Felicino. Great group of linemen, and one of the best in the NFL. Rodney Hudson, one of the best centers in the league. Osemele, one of the best left guards in the league. The biggest... Glaring, glaring issue is the right tackle, Marshall Newhouse. Uh, just a very bad blocker, and I think Justin Houston could have a really good day against him. Surely the Raiders are going to put a tight end next to him. Maybe it's Jared Cook. Maybe it's a backup. Uh, or, or maybe they even put in a, a backup offensive tackle to line up as a tight end, uh, checking in and trying to help uh, Newhouse at times to try to limit Justin Houston in this game. So that's going to be a very fun matchup to watch if you're a Chiefs fan. Justin Houston going up against Marshall Newhouse. Switching over to the defensive side of the football for the Oakland Raiders. 23rd in total defense. 19th against the pass. 21st in stopping the rush. And they're allowing 21 points per game. Which is 12th in the league. Kansas City right behind with 21.7 points per game allowed. Now look, everyone knows the best player on this defense. It's Khalil Mack, who was one vote away from winning Defensive Player of the Year, falling short to Von Miller. Mack has four sacks on the season. Not bad, not great either. Uh, By the way, he's had 30 sacks since 2015, most in that time span in the league uh, than anyone else. But Khalil Mack, even though the, the, the sack numbers aren't as high, don't let that... 
mislead you. I mean, look, he's still one of the better guys when it comes to rushing the passer. Uh, Again, I mentioned that before last year, the Raiders were not very good defensively. In fact, they were last place in sacks. The only sacker you really had was Khalil Mack, as well as Bruce Irvin. But Mack's been really the the biggest guy this year for the team, as well as Mario Edwards Jr., which I'll get to shortly. But Khalil Mack, uh, he can really change the... Direction of this game. He really can. If he can come through and get to Alex Smith consistently, then Alex Smith and this Chiefs offense could have another very quiet football game where they don't do as much as they want to be able to do. They're not going to be able to stick to the game plan and won't let it come to fruition because of Khalil Mack. So that's definitely one thing the Chiefs have got to work on and make sure that they keep him away and try to keep Alex Smith's jersey clean as much as possible. But let's not forget about Mario Edwards Jr. He's got three sacks on the season, already the most he's ever had in a single season. He had two his rookie season, uh, didn't have any last year, and this is his third year in the league and already has surpassed his high single season high for sacks, which was just two a couple of years ago. Looking at the secondary for the... Oakland Raiders, cornerback David Amerson has had 63 pass deflections, which is third most in the league. Hasn't had a whole lot of those this year, though. Cornerback Sean Smith, former chief, of course, one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. Went from being the most underrated cornerback while in Kansas City, and his play in Oakland has just really gone down. And I think part of it is he doesn't have the right coaching staff around him. You had a a great defensive staff. In Kansas City. You had a great head coach in Andy Reid. A position coach in Emmett Emmett Thomas. And then one of the better defensive coordinators in Bob Sutton. And I know a lot of people may disagree with that. But of course I mentioned last podcast. The national perspective. The view uh, of Bob Sutton. And what a lot of people think of him. Outside of Khalil Mack. The only notable player they really have. And Mario Edwards to be fair. Is Reggie Nelson, longtime player in the league, has 35 interceptions since he entered the league, which since in 2007, which is the most among active players. I'll also throw in Carl Joseph, who has the third most tackles in the NFL this year among all safeties, and he's got 42 this season, which leads the team. So this defense, you've got two really good linemen up front, and then one good defensive back in Carl Joseph. This is not a very stout defense. It just isn't. I mean, the numbers are, are, they're no mistake here. 23rd in total defense. Can't stop the pass, can't stop the run. And you look at the offensive numbers, very similar. 30th, well, actually a little worse. 30th in total offense, 27th in passing the ball, and 24th in rushing. So this is a Raiders team that doesn't win the battle a whole lot up front. They don't win the whole the battle a whole lot when it comes to time of possession. And I think if the Chiefs can do that, if they can win time of possession, they can certainly do some damage on this Raiders team. And by the way, I mentioned Alex Smith's zero interceptions coming into this game. The Raiders have no interceptions on defense this season. In fact, they have a minus two turnover d- differential. No picks this year. All five takeaways are fumble recoveries for the Raiders. And I think you've got that going for you as well if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Quick look at special teams. Kicker Giorgio Tavicio filling in for Sebastian Janikowski has made all nine of his field goals this season. Punter Market King, one of the best in the NFL. In fact, probably the best statistically speaking. 
He's got the highest net average in the league right now. Wide receiver Cordell Patterson, by the way, can't forget about him in the kick return game, former Minnesota Viking, has the second most average kick return yards with 30.9. And by the way, right behind him is Akeem Hunt, who is third with 28.3. So you've got pretty good special teams for both teams here. Defensively and offensively, man, the Raiders just cannot move the football, nor can they stop teams from moving it. And can, I know the Raiders are hungry for a win. Four straight losses. Thursday night football. Black hole in their own home turf. Division matchup against those Chiefs that they hate. And they've got a lot of strong feelings against us. They do. But I'll tell you what. This Chiefs team is also hungry. That one loss right there, that's enough to fire up a team. This team's pissed off. And that's a good thing coming into a game like this. Throw out all your anger on this Oakland Raiders football team. Listen, I had a lot of respect for the Raiders before the season, and I tried to be patient with them. But four losses in a row, you just can't you just can't w- w- make it to the postseason like that unless you win out from here on out, kind of similar to what the Chiefs did in 2015, which again is very slim. You you rarely see that kind of a surge in the NFL these days. I'm picking Kansas City to win this football game. I'm picking Kansas City to bounce back. I think they've got the tools, not just to win, but to kind of just go off and run wild. On this Raiders team. And you add in the fact that. They're coming into this game. Very poor performance. They didn't look good. I mentioned some of the numbers. In the, in that Steelers game. And comparing them to the first five games of the season. This is a Chiefs team that needs to prove to themselves. That that game against the Steelers. Was a fluke. And they can do a lot better. This time around. I'm picking Kansas City to win this football game. Why? I think with offensive, with what you have on offense. You know Kareem Hunt, he's going to be able to do his thing. I think he's certainly going to bounce back. And even then, he still had 100 yards from total scrimmage. More than 100 yards uh, from, from scrimmage. Travis Kelsey is going to be a big factor in this game. Oakland has had trouble defending tight ends. And they've also had trouble stopping speedy receivers, which is exactly what Tyreek Hill is. And I think the Chiefs are going to be able to move the ball very well. Demarcus Robinson, who was open a couple of times late in the game, barely missed by Alex Smith twice, He's, and he was able to come through with that big catch to help the Chiefs move the chains on that final drive. So I think he's going to be able to have a hand in this game against a very weak Raiders defense. Especially if Albert Wilson isn't available. And I also want to throw another guy's name in there who has kind of come on the scene lately. And that's DeAnthony Thomas. He had a rushing touchdown a couple of weeks ago. And this past week, he had that really nice... Catch and run play where he ran all the way to the end zone to help the Chiefs get back in the game and make it a one possession game. So certainly an area where you look at this and you you see the playmakers that the Chiefs have on offense. A lot of great guys, a lot of speedsters on this offense. There are a lot of speedsters on this team. And you've got to be able to use that against this Raiders team that's had trouble stopping the run and just stopping teams from moving the football successfully. As far as the defense goes, I know the defense has not been very great. Something's got to give here. Either Oakland's terrible offense is going to be able to move the ball on Kansas City's bad defense, or Kansas City's defense is going to find a way to shut down this Raiders offense, which has just been very pitiful this year. I'm going with Kansas City in this one, and I think it's going to be at at least a two-possession game. I'm picking the Chiefs to win this one 31-17. I've got the Chiefs bouncing back. With an Andy Reid-led team, this is a team that is poised to bounce back. They're not going to let what happened 
against the Steelers happened twice. They're not going to let two losses in a row come to play. You just cannot afford that right now, especially when you've got the number one seed in the AFC and a very comfortable lead in the division. Build an even bigger lead. And look, when you look at the division right now, the Chargers are in a bit of a roll right now, man. Yeah, they beat the Giants, not the most impressive team to beat. But then they also beat the Raiders. So now you've got a winning streak forming and you're feeling a little good about yourself. I still think Denver wins this football game, but you never know if the Chargers could have a little bit of momentum coming into this game, especially considering that the Broncos just lost to the winless Giants, or at least they were winless. So if you can get a little bit of help from the Chargers in this game, that'll really help the Chiefs going into Monday Night Football when they play the Broncos. And they can definitely do what they can to build an even bigger lead in the division, and that'll be huge because the bye week will be coming up shortly after that. And Kansas City needs a strong lead in the AFC West going into that bye week in early November. So 31-17, that is going to be my score prediction for the Chiefs in this one. I think they're going to be able to move the ball very well. And I'll say this defense, I, I, I think they allow 100 yards to Marshawn Lynch. He'll have his best rushing game this season. His first 100-yard game since coming out of retirement. But for the most part, I don't think this Raiders team is going to be able to go off. Derek Carr has been, I think, a phenomenal quarterback since he's coming into the league, but this has got to be his worst year to date. And I think against Kansas City, especially that front seven, that's going to be a team that will try to terrorize Derek Carr all game long. It's time to wrap up the show now. Let's go around the NFL. Here's one of the biggest questions from week six in the NFL. Is Adrian Peterson back? Now that he is with the Arizona Cardinals. Hey, 134 yards and a pair of touchdowns. The answer is yes, at least for right now. I think the Saints have to kind of look at that and wonder why were we not able to get this kind of production out of him. So props to the Arizona Cardinals for making this acquisition. And so far, so good. Can't complain about this too much, can you? And it's good to see all day back in action like that once again. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about, Jets wide receiver Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, this is this was the most controversial thing coming out of week six. He scored on a four-yard touchdown catch when he was on his way to the end zone. He lost the football, but then recovered it before hitting the pylon, or at least that's what it looked like. The officiating crew in New York said he didn't have possession, when he hit the pile line, and therefore that is considered a touchback. Listen, NFL VP of officiating, Al Ravarn, he, he's got to provide some sort of explanation on this. And not just this, we've seen a lot of things, a lot of situations where we think something's a catch or a touchdown. Look at the Demetrius Harris situation. The Chiefs should have thrown a, a red flag there to challenge that, but I, I mean, and that's a, in, in the defense of the officials, that is a tough one to call because. They couldn't tell who had the football, and once they saw it was popped out, the right thing to do was call an incompletion. And I think at that point, Andy Reid, and I don't know if the Arrowhead video guys fell asleep or what, but they should have provided some sort of replay to let Andy Reid know, hey, look, you've got to throw the red flag here. Final topic I want to talk about, kind of interesting, the timing of this, how it came out. Steelers wide receiver Martavius Bryant 
this news story came out after the Steelers beat the Chiefs. He is reportedly unhappy with the team and has been requesting to be traded for a long time. Hey, look, Chris Conley's out for the season and Albert Wilson could miss another game. You've just got a banged up Chiefs team right now. If he's unhappy, why not come to the best team in the AFC? Maybe the Chiefs can put something out there that will allow him to come through. Maybe they've been in talks for a while, but they don't want to make anything until after this game, which is certainly understandable. Listen, the Chiefs can use all the help they can get, especially with Martavius Bryant, who was a very good wide receiver. I think he could certainly be a good number two wideout opposite of Tyreek Hill, and that could certainly help Alex Smith even more. And then you've got another key weapon on your offense to work with. I think that'd be great for the Kansas City Chiefs. So maybe that's something the Chiefs are going to look into. So keep that in in mind. Uh, I may even come back to the story. Martavius Bryant requesting a trade unhappy with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go out of bounds. Man, who saw this coming? KU and MU to play a basketball game at the Sprint Center this Sunday. And the occasion is that these two teams are going to try to raise money for hurricane relief. Of course, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of that lately in and outside the United States. So, uh, the timing of this is kind of a little off because the hurricanes have happened already. But it's never too late. Don't get me wrong. Never too late to try to contribute and send money out in South Florida and in Houston to try to help people who are recovering. And listen, great occasion, and it's an exhibition game, but who gives a damn? You know KU fans want to see this game. You know MU fans are going to want to see this game. And if I'm not mistaken, this is not televised. So tickets for this thing I've heard are, are pretty pricey. They go on sale Wednesday from what I've heard. I'll be there this weekend and gosh I've got to say this is this is nice to see it's great to see that Shayon Zanger has been able to put everything aside and be able to schedule a game with Mizzou hopefully we can do it for a real one day and do it at the Sprint Center maybe you do some maybe you have a three-year cycle I would love to see this you play in Lawrence one year you play in Columbia the next year and then you play at Sprint Center and then you go back to Lawrence and then go so on and so forth Let's see what this does. Listen, if you've got a packed house in downtown Kansas City Sunday afternoon for this game, you've got to consider doing this on a consistent basis. You just have to. Listen, there's just been all this talk about how KU fans are angry because this this benefits Mizzou, and what if they beat KU somehow? I mean, look, I hope that they treat this like a real game. I hope we don't see backups in this because if... If the backups are playing and if KU wins, it's just not going to feel good. It's sure, I'll rub it into, into a few of my MU friends uh, to their faces. But look, it's a lot better if they treat this like a real game. It, because if you put the backups in there, well, if Mizzou wins, is that really impressive? I don't know. But you know MU fans are going to take that and rub it in. So I, I hope they treat it like a real game. And I hope there's a packed house. I hope it's full to the point where they consider doing this on a consistent basis for for real though not an exhibition game doing it each year in a regular season contest the Cleveland Indians who were compared to the Kansas City Royals from a couple of seasons ago I know they got that record for most uh, consecutive wins but no postseason success to show for it listen man there's a reason why in sports 
we talk about these records, but they're all regular season records, and we always separate regular season records and success to postseason records and success. There's a reason for that. And you're seeing it with the Cleveland Indians. Yes, that winning streak was nice, but what do you have to show for it in October? Got nothing. Final topic, uh, Barstool Sports, which I've got to say I'm a fan of Barstool Sports. I I think it's a nice kind of alternative. It's a lowbrow type of sports media. A lot of people know Barstool Sports. It's it's a guys kind of website. The guys love it. Barstool Sports is all about Saturdays for the boys and those kinds of things. Uh, There was a woman who, I guess she had accepted a job with Barstool Sports, or at least they offered her a position. And when she was about to sign the contract, she understood that, look, these are the kind of jokes we make. These are the kind of things we do, and you've just got to accept these terms. And she did not want to sign it. And I guess Barstool Sports has kind of been receiving some backlash lately. Let me just say this. People do not realize this. The CEO of Barstool Sports is a female. She's a woman. So for people who want to say that Barstool Sports is too masculine and it comes off offensive to women this is a website in which the ceo is a woman so listen and i think maybe she even looked at that maybe she's had past experiences with guys that she's been with and i'm I'm just speculating here on this part maybe she's looked at it and said look maybe i should open a website that uh, that is geared towards guys who are big sports fans and smart business move by her good for her She probably doesn't even get offended by some of these things because it it gives her money in her pockets. Understandable, but listen, Barstool Sports has really come on the scene the past couple of years. They're on Sirius XM now, which is great. And a Bleacher Report did something like that a few years ago, coming to Sirius XM. So that's a pretty big deal. I mean, look, if she didn't want to sign it, good for her. If she doesn't believe in those values, get a job somewhere else. Not that hard. And if you don't like a website like Barstool Sports or Deadspin, then don't read their websites. It's as simple as that. Final segment of the show. Got a couple penalty flags to throw. Hey, listen, I'm a huge Al Michaels fan, but he made a very painfully awkward joke during Sunday Night Football when the Giants beat the Broncos. Here's what he said during the broadcast. I mean, let's face it, the Giants are coming off a worse week than Harvey Weinstein. And they're up by 14 points. Only my L.A. guy comes up with that Well, you know. There you go. All you have to do is read the papers. (laughs) Any paper. As soon as he said Harvey Weinstein, you could hear Chris Collinsworth's reaction like, whoa, you shouldn't even be saying that right now. I just don't understand how... Al Michaels, being the broadcaster that he is, and for as many years as he's done it, he knows that we're in a world now where in social media, things just blow up like that. And he's broadcasting on the biggest stage for NFL games on Sundays. And anything that happens on Sunday Night Football always gets talked about. Uh, But man, he's got to know better. I just don't understand how a public figure like Al Michaels can just make a comment like that and think that nothing... Is going to happen. For those who don't know who Harvey Weinstein is, by the way, uh, he is uh, the co-founder of Miramax Films and the Weinstein Company, a film producer, and uh, he and his brother were co-chairman of the Weinstein Company, and 
This month, uh, there have been numerous allegations of sexual harassment, sexual sexual assault, and rape against him, and he was fired by his company's board of directors and expelled from the Academy of Motion Pictures of Arts and Sciences. So, very, very serious issue here. And, and listen, I, I'm all for making jokes, I really am, but there are certain things that you, you just cannot joke about, and, you know, comparing a rape incident or, or, or all these rape allegations... Uh, to a team struggling on the field is certainly not uh, funny in any way at all. I know pe- what people are going to say. Some people are going to say we're in such sensitive times and we-, we-, we blow things out of proportion. Look, man, there are so many people who, who unfortunately have dealt with something like this in their lives. And this is just not a funny issue at all. I mean, there should never be any reason for people to make a rape joke. You never, ever make that kind of a joke. It's not even funny to begin with. It's just not. Now, I will say since then, Al Michaels has apologized for that. And fortunately, the media has been on that. And to be fair, Cam Newton apologized for his comments. I don't think I mentioned this. And the media has barely talked about that. Eric Winston, when he went off on Chiefs fans, he apologized the next day. And the media didn't even show much of that. So who knows how much this will be covered. Some of the media is talking about it, but... Uh, hopefully Al Michaels learned his lesson. That's if, if if that's not Al Michaels, if that's somebody else, that's a that person's gone. They don't have a job the next day. So hopefully Al Michaels learned his lesson here. All right, Aaron Rodgers suffered an injury that is now putting him out for the season uh, after taking a hit early in the game against the Minnesota Vikings. It was it's a broken collarbone, if I'm not mistaken. And you can see Aaron Rodgers three times say F you to someone while he is on his way out of the game. And now there have been talks. I think someone in the media proposed the idea. Could there be a rule change now in how you tackle quarterbacks, how you sack quarterbacks? And Packers fans are totally for this rule change because their boy, their golden child, Aaron Rodgers is out. Look, I get it. The Packers season has been, it's over essentially, but... Look, uh, you you can't sit here and just beg for a rule. There, the quarterbacks are already getting a lot of protection as it already is. They don't deserve any more. So, look, Rodgers, fight for you for responding. It was a clean sack. Nothing dirty about it. Now, I don't know if something was said afterwards, but come on. Uh, Packers fans, get over it. it. It's unfortunate. It sucks. But hey, look, as I mentioned earlier, when the Chiefs were 1-5 and five and lost Jamal Charles, their best offensive player in, in, for years, they still bounced back and won a playoff game. Get over it. Either hope your team does well or just live with it. Can't do much. All right, this is for the people who say I get too political on the podcast. Look, I'm sorry. It's not my fault politics and sports have clashed. I'm not the one who did it. Uh, So this is for the people uh, mostly, but I'll leave that part out. This is for the people who say I get too political. So how is this for being political? The president of the United States said he met with the president of the Virgin Islands. Breaking news to the president. He is the president of the Virgin Islands. So... What in the hell was he saying? I have no idea. So perhaps those of you who have supported him and defended him countlessly, thinking he can do no wrong, maybe you can come up with an explanation, but I doubt you'll be able to. So there's that. How's that for being too political on the podcast? I'll be waiting for the tweets and the Facebook messages. I really will. I'm going to enjoy this one. Uh, That'll be a lot of fun. 
<laughs> that'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Big thanks to all of you guys for listening to the podcast. A lot of podcasts out this week, and that is due to the short week for the Kansas City Chiefs getting ready for the Oakland Raiders on Thursday Night Football. Got to bounce back, and I think they can do that. I gave you guys my score prediction, 31-17. Kansas City coming out on top and returning to Arrowhead, getting ready with an 11-day preparation for Monday Night Football against the Broncos. Big thanks to you guys for listening to the podcast. Please make sure you are subscribed on iTunes or Google Play, as well as other podcasting outlets that the Chiefs on Podcast is available on. Let a friend know about it. Share it on social media. Great for the podcast. Helps me out greatly. You guys can interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzivasugin. A reminder, I will go and do a Facebook Live during halftime and after the game. So stay tuned for that. A notification will pop up as soon as I go live. So be, make sure you stay tuned. For that, you guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me as well, Farzine at FarzineMasugian.com. The next podcast we'll have out, it'll be out Friday morning. That'll be the recap after the Chiefs and Raiders Thursday Night Football Divisional Clash. Big thanks again, once again, to you guys, the listeners, for downloading and listening to the podcast. Appreciate all of you guys listening. The numbers have been up this year, which has been great. I'm sure the, the, the record has a big part of of it the interaction has also been very high and i definitely appreciate all of you guys who have been a part of that this season with me on social media that'll do it for this episode once again enjoy the game on thursday night i'll talk to you friday morning hopefully recapping a bounce back a rebound chiefs win talk to you then